quitándose a mil máscaras en esta oportunidad. Muchos de ustedes han pedido esta lucha y el promotor Mike Lavelle se las presenta ahora desde el Olympic Auditorium. Una lucha total e inédita. Mil máscaras y el perro aguayo, ambos luchadores de gran categoría.
hit record. Like ready to go. You know, I never know how to start these, and I was just like, I, I don't know how the hell I'm going to edit. But hey, guys, welcome back to Napalm and Friends. Uh, we are super lucky to have Diego Luna, which is an amazing photographer, come and share his art and his musical taste. So I sent you a list of questions. And to kind of set a baseline for the playlist and who you are as a person, how would you describe your musical taste? I think my musical taste is kind of, it derives from different places in my life. I know some of them are either my mom's favorite or my dad's favorite or my own personal favorite. So we had a rule growing up when um, the, I have two other siblings that if we uh, ever talk shit, <laughs> and I'm sorry if I'm cussing, I don't know if we're to cuss. Uh, but it was, oh, we weren't about, we couldn't talk trash on Michael Jackson, Queen, or uh, the Bee Gees. So that wasn't allowed. And um, I always hear stories about my dad being a hair metal uh, band guy or whatever. And when he came when he came from Mexico to the U.S., it was the opposite. He started uh, dressing in like vaquero outfits and stuff like that. So it was like kind of like a contrast of styles there. But mainly it was my parents and my uncle. My uncle was a huge rock and espanol fan. So I gravitated towards that. And then also growing up in Barrio Logan, of course, hip hop was big, uh, especially like the West Coast hip hop and Chicano rap was big influence. And as I, I progressed through the years, I gravitated a lot through punk and ska and, and, and of course, hard metal and stuff. But right now, I guess kind of like the new wave of psychedelic Latin music, like Chicano Batman and Leon Larregui and Soe, and okay. also these like, uh, what's it called, Little Jesus. So there's a bunch of different artists right now that are influencing, but mainly mainly it's, it, it's Soe. It's OA from Mexico that I have influenced me more. Dude, that's amazing. And I think the fact that you have all these different musical tastes, I think it reflects so heavily in your photography where you have a mix of bits of Mexico and then bits of like American culture and then specifically with like Chicano culture and how you mesh it all together. But how would you say that your musical taste reflects on your art? I guess if I have to really attribute to something, it has to go back to uh, I remember watching a commercial for MTV2 and it was for this, because uh, they used to have like little clips with like new artists or whatever. And I remember there was this one clip from a band called uh, 07, which is called Destiny the Song. And it was just this little, I don't know, it was just like commercial, this little kid just throwing rocks at his girlfriend's house and the song playing in the background and him just kind of getting disappointed and leaving and, you know, hearing the song and just the melody of it. And then going back to his house and seeing his girlfriend throwing rocks at his window and, you know, him shocking, being shocked or whatever. And it was like, kind of like the love, kind of like a love story. I remember it said, life imitates music. And that just caught my attention from, from that. So basically what, because I'm, I come from the pro wrestling world. I always say I come from the pro wrestling world first versus like an, a music or art world. So my thing is about telling a story with somebody's body or somebody's facial expressions. So of course, like I like to give a story with with visuals and include a song with it. I think I think music is like a like the heart and the the image is like the blood that flows through the heart. Oof, Dan, that was poetic. I love that. And then I think it's interesting that you do say it's like the visuals are just as important because they are. I remember I was watching an interview or a conversation between Conan O'Brien and Jack White and Jack White mm -hmm. is apparently like super detail oriented and he says, yeah, the 
cover album is just as important as a soundtrack or and yeah. it just it's on par they complement one another and they they have to mesh with one another like how you said it's like the heart and the blood you can't have one without the other yeah. and then also if you think about it like the music videos and how you said it's like that yeah. also evoked emotion out of you and i think that that is just absolutely beautiful that lyrics or the visuals it connects us to our human conditions yeah and so even though you might feel like sad or you know enamored or joyous or angry it's like these are all common themes that we can all like tune into and i don't i don't know i just think it's absolutely amazing te extraño mi amor porque será me falta todo en la vida si no estabas como te extraño mi amor que puedo hacer te extraño tanto que voy a enloquecer
se abren al aire vacíos que dos no pueden respirar para desvanecerse alargando el después trayectoria sin final distante placer de una mirada frente a otra esfumándose
And then speaking of amazing visuals, I specifically <laughs> fell in love with your Luchador series, which I'm also going to be tagging your page on the podcast episode, the blog, and obviously in the posts. I wanted to know how exactly you got into Lucha Libre and your your ties to that. So my ties to Lucha Libre, I guess the first, the first thing that has always been kind of attached to me was the fact that the uh, my grandma took me to this wrestling event when I was five months old, which everybody's like, do you remember when you were five months old? Which, like, do you remember that exact moment? I'm like, dude, I, I don't I don't remember everything. Like, but just like people just mentioning it constantly, I think that's what gravitates me. So coming back to the story. So I guess he took me to a wrestling event, whatever, and this guy dove through the third and second rope and landed on top of my grandma and me. And so she said that after that, like I was super enamored with with wrestling, with pro wrestling in general, Lucha Libre. And my uncles, my grandpa, my 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 mom would always talk to these stories. They used to love, like in Mexico, I guess it, like it may be like normalized here, but in Mexico it's like, they have like shows Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's like a family thing. So it's like, oh, we, there's a wrestling show today. Let's go. It's Wednesday, let's go like Saturday, Sunday, let's go, let's go. So it's like a tradition. So for me, growing up with those values from uh, Mexico, because my family's from Cuernavaca and some of us from Mexico City. So of course, like Lucha Libre was a big thing. And then like, I think the mo the last one I did was the most personal one, which Pierro, uh, which actually my, my grandpa and my grandma knew because he used to actually unload bananas in the supermarket they used to sell at. So, Norberto Salgado, which a lot of people don't know, Pierrot was actually from Cuernavaca. So for me, special, but it's also detriment to me because I get the press doing that, doing those Lucha Libre things, because I feel like I'm letting people in on something that's very personal. And, you know, but it's also got me the, the attention that, that has gotten me so far. And I've made new friends and friends that I didn't even know like Lucha Libre and now are like, dude, we gotta go to Mexico City, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. I'm like, that's cool. But, but to get back into it, like Lucha Libre, it, it, even wrestling in general, I've been involved in it for, for most of my life. And I just think like I wanted to represent something because I remember, I forget her name, but there's like these, this photographer called Lorena. Forget her last name, but she came out with a Lucha Libre photo book, actually. She's, um, if you haven't, you've probably seen her photos where it's like this woman kind of breastfeeding her kid or like holding her kid or whatever with a wrestling mask. And she's one of the best, to me, one of my favorite photographers. And actually she was the inspiration on, on this. And I wanted to pay homage to not only her, but also my background, my uh, love for Lucha Libre. And every wrestler that I pick is something special to me. It's not only, I'm not just picking any wrestler just for any shits and giggles, because a lot of people would do that. A lot of people yeah. just pick something just because it looks good aesthetically. I pick it because it's literally telling a story of what a wrestler meant to me, you know? And even, if, even the first one, Blue Panther, um, it's my grandpa's favorite wrestler. So I remember he cried when he lost his mask in uh, the, the anniversary show. And as I was like researching who to pick, I remember I was like, oh, well, uh, I was like, I should just pick anyone. And in my brain, I was like, no, pick your best friend. I was like, pick your best friend because he means, he means a lot to you like your grandpa does. So I picked one of my, my roommate and my best friend, which he's a videographer too. And 
you know, that after that, I just got the ball rolling on everything, you know, and yeah. Sorry, I'm rambling on. No, 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 not at all. If anything, like I'm in love with the fact that you have this deep connection with the wrestlers that you do pick. And I, I did kind of pick up on that because when you share your art, you do share a bit of history and it's in the caption as well. So you feel it, you know, as the viewer, I, I felt it. And then what I think is interesting too, and the reason why I kind of relate so much to it, I mean, I don't know much about Lucha Libre. The only one I know is like El Santo. Yeah. And because of the whole movies <laughs> in the comments, yeah. but it's, that's what caught my eye because um, not growing up, but it's something that I shared with my dad where he would talk about it and he would talk about those comics and how he read yeah. them growing up. And so I was like, yeah. well, I never got to read it, but then I also seeing the visuals that you would share. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like there's that my personal connection to it. Yeah. And I think that's why I personally, I guess it is biased, but that's why I love it. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> you know, thousands of others love it too, because they have a personal story with it as well. Yeah. Especially in the Latino culture, I think, like a lot of people think it's all Mexican lucha, there's been no. It's like uh, Gato Kunli, who was from Panama, who's still considered one of the best Panamanian wrestlers of all time. Um, he competed, he was a martial artist, and he kind of reinvented Lucha Libre because a lot of uh, martial artist kind of uh, style that he brought just changed the whole game. And it's not only that, it's just the fact that in, in general, um, if you look through past years, how many wrestlers have come from the United States to Mexico and how and how Mil Mascaras came and was the first mass wrestler to participate in MSG, Madison Square Garden and work for the, the, the World Wrestling Federation. You know, Mil Mascaras means a lot, too, you know, so they, I mean, it's. It's a give and take with the audience. You you know, a lot of people in Mexico are not attracted to Lucha Libre. Some people are, love soccer, you know, so or love loves anything else. But I think it's a part of Mexican culture in general. That's why it's so attracted to us and it's embedded in us. Even though some people say it's fake, but uh, yeah, some of those hits aren't aren't fake. Trust me, I've I've trained and 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 been in the receiving end of some of those. So wait, so you yourself have participated in the sport? Yes, I have. Uh, was training for a bit to be a luchador. Uh, worked with a wrestling company, setting up rings and setting up chairs, and uh, got into videography because of uh, being involved in in several companies. And so, yeah, so I've been in, involved closely. I was involved with, uh, like, fun say two or three years with Lucha Libre personally, and then just kind of went on to do something else. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty cool. Did you have a name already or? No, I never developed a name. I just kind of was training and then fell into camera work accidentally because somebody didn't show up and they just asked me if I would do camera work for them. So I started working a lot more behind the scenes and understood more of how to tell a story, how to produce a show, how to intro, outro, do commercial breaks, uh, edit a show and stuff. So it was more behind the scenes, which in general, I love more. I think I love more of that than versus actually participating in it. And, you know, I got to write a couple of uh, storylines and stuff for people. So that in general is is what made me more, even more attracted to Lucha Libre. That could create, that you could create stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's why, that's why I say I'm a story maker. I love, I love telling stories by, by the art that I, that I perceive.
funny when you you know gave me all your responses to the interview questions and I read that you love storytelling and, I, and then it clicked and I was like it should be obvious because I mean your luchador series yeah. it's essentially telling a story you know you're tying all these different people back to one subculture and yeah. I think that's amazing and I, I'm kind of curious and I kind of want to pry uh so what other future series do you see for yourself well I definitely want to focus I think the next couple of ones I think this Lucha Libre series is probably going to last another month just because I bought all these masks and I need to <laughs> Shoot him. Uh, but I actually want to get into fashion. I actually want to do something with along with Dog Martens, with kind of like the punk fashion, uh, even high fashion, I think, in general. No, like that'd be cool. <laughs> well, I like that. Yeah. Well, it's also like they tell a story. You know, why was Dog Martens like involved so much in the punk scene or even in the old English punk scene, you know? Yeah. So. I want to get more, like even with when I hear your podcast, it, 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 that's why I love it because it reflects a lot on what I do and what I I'm, I'm like purposely want to learn a lot more stuff about about subcultures and stuff. Like that's me. That's why I I want to do this fashion thing and see where like it emulated from or where where it began, where it became famous. Why did it grow globally? So that. Yeah. So that's why I listen to a lot of, I listen to the song in particular, it's, it's, called, it's by this man called Sue, this DJ, and it's, it's cocaine model. And it says on the music video, it says, I, I think it says like fashion, it says like a little monologue in the beginning of the music video, but it just captivated me and I was like, man, I wanna, I wanna fucking do fashion. I wanna do fashion next. Dude, that'd be amazing. I, I mean, I love that we share that in common and thank you for liking the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think the history of it is absolutely fascinating where it's like just having that curious mind and kind of, you know, falling down a rabbit hole, I think is fun. And I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to that future series because now <laughs> I want to see like what, I want to see what you see pretty much and I think that's what's amazing with photography it's like you get to frame it how you see the world and you get to share that and it's so incredibly incredibly relatable um so now I'm kind of curious where do you see the future of Luna photography I definitely want to travel the world uh my goal I know I've been offered a couple of, of um spots on art shows in New York and Texas and even Mexico City which I didn't know how they some of my pictures ended up in an exhibition in Mexico City I definitely want to go kind of tell the story of the world, kind of want to showcase stuff from my point of view, you know? I think, I think as a photographer, I see a lot of people try to emulate, they're 
their heroes or they're trying to emulate somebody else. And I'm not saying I'm not emulating someone. I'm just saying I just want to perfect it and show my passion through it. Because I think even in general art, your personal, if it's real, it bleeds through it. If it's authentic, it bleeds through it. No matter how much portraits you've done, how much landscaping you do, how much like, you know, different like uh, commercial stuff you do. I think if you're a real photographer and you put real passion in your work, it bleeds through it regardless. And so for me, I just kind of want to showcase that to the world. I don't want to just be a local hero. I want to be like travel the world and actually kind of showcase stuff that I think it's important for people to learn, you know? Like there's there's so much stuff to learn outside outside of these four walls or wherever, or this town. Like there's a bigger world out there. And I, I want to travel and actually write. My girlfriend is the one that's actually getting me to write and stuff, which I was like very apprehensive about it uh, because I am uh, dyslexic. So, so for me, like really writing and having her be like, dude, you're doing good was the best thing I think I've ever had. And that's what I think a lot of shit that I do now is like a tribute to her because she's pushed me to do a lot of stuff and really showcase who I am. Oh yeah, dude. I'm really, really glad to hear that. And like I said, you know, I'm like super glad to see where your art is going to take you because it is going places. 